today I want to share with you some of the things that I've been praying for. First, I'm praying you have an aha moment. An aha moment. Have you ever had an aha moment? Aha moments can be good or they can be bad. We just finished our taxes for last year. And I remember the first year we did our taxes after our first daughter was born. We got a huge refund. And I didn't understand why. And the tax preparer explained it was because we had a child. We had a new deduction. And uh, we could take a child care credit and so much more. I said, aha! And then we had some more kids. I had another aha moment when we lost them as tax deductions. I didn't like that one as much. In the Bible, we read about a man named Nehemiah having an aha moment. Nehemiah is a Jewish slave in Babylon, and he works for the king. But we read in the first chapter about his brother coming back from Judea, from Jerusalem, and reporting to Nehemiah what he saw. His brother said that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, and the people who lived there were, quote, in great trouble and disgrace. In those days, the city wall was pretty important. It protected the people from invaders. And when the walls were strong, the city was strong. And if the walls were weak, the city was weak. And getting this report from his brother was Nehemiah's aha moment. Look at verse 4. Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. For some days... He wept and mourned and fasted and prayed. And part of what made Nehemiah grieve was that the temple of God was in Jerusalem. Now today, according to scripture, we are the temple of God. God no longer lives in temples built by human hands. Today, the center of God's mission is inside of us and uh, in what we do in the world. But back then, the center of God's mission was in the temple. God lived there. And the temple was a beautiful place. The cost of the temple back then was about $8 billion in today's currency. Now, here's the thing. The city walls had been down for 141 years by the time that Nehemiah gets this report. And yet, Nehemiah is really upset by this. I mean, he's crying and he's mourning and he's fasting. It would be like me running in here really upset and crying and saying, the president's been shot, the president's been shot. And you say, President Trump's been shot? And I say, no, President Lincoln was shot. It was about that length of time in between. And you might think it's weird that he was so upset, but it happens sometimes. I remember when the terrorist attack of September 11th happened, and I was disturbed by it. And then a few years ago, we visited the area where the trade towers had stood. We visited a museum that they had set up, and I didn't know anyone that passed away as a result of that tragedy. It had happened six or seven years before I visited the site, and yet I was moved in a different way that day by what I saw. In fact, I found myself tearing up. Something about seeing that area moved the tragedy from my head to my heart in a different way. 
And when Nehemiah had an eyewitness come and tell him what he saw, it hit him in a powerful way. And he says, I have to do something. And so Nehemiah prays, and then he casts vision, and then he asks people and the king for resources to pay for it, and then he goes and organizes the people to build, and incredibly, in just 52 days, the wall is completely rebuilt around the city of Jerusalem. Now, why do I share this? You've heard in the video the vision, and you can flip through the booklet and you can see building designs and uh, you will hear testimonies and you'll see and grapple with commitment cards and you'll be challenged. But before you hear all that, we want you to hear the heart behind what we're doing. And I want us as a church to get our hearts where they need to be. I can't do this on my own. It will take all of us. And I want all of us together to get our hearts where they need to be because it's just that big. And can I be honest? I know we need to get our hearts right personally because a while back, my heart wasn't in it. I thought, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. I don't know if I'm that excited. I, it's going to be a huge undertaking and it'll take a lot of meetings and we'll have to talk about money. But that's kind of when God kind of slapped me upside the head. In my personal study time, I read the story of the prodigal son. You probably know the story. The son rebels and he wishes his father dead and asks for his inheritance and he goes away with a big part of the dad's money, but his dad is heartbroken and his father is longing to see him and he's waiting for him and he's praying for him. And when the son comes home, the father gives him a robe and puts a ring on his hand and throws him a party and he says, my son who was lost is now found. My son who's lost is now found. And rereading that story reminded me again how much God loves lost people and how much we need to keep doing whatever it takes to win lost people. God kind of said to me that day, Steve, how would you feel if it was your kids out there heading for hell without Jesus? Would that make you excited about meeting with architects and builders and doing whatever it takes to fund and build this new campus and expand funding for all of the projects and campuses at Impact? You know, we've won a lot of people to Jesus. And I think I was just getting satisfied with what we were doing and that we were doing more than most churches. Let me ask you, have you ever gotten home from vacation with two of your three kids and you've thought, wow, that's pretty good. I got most of my kids home. That's pretty good. And that's just one reason that we need to become an unstoppable church. Because each of us need to let God open our heart and give us an aha moment about why taking big steps to impact the communities we serve is such an important thing. But I'm not just praying for an aha moment. I'm praying your aha moment will become a transformational moment. 
that it will become a transformational moment. Often, aha moments are what transform us. They cause us to never be the same, and God wants to transform us. He wants to change us. Look at this verse from Romans chapter 12. Don't change yourself to be like people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. God wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to give us a new way of thinking. And so I'm praying that each of us will have a transformational moment. And I really believe the two biggest things that will transform you spiritually are easy to identify. The first is deciding to be baptized. Baptism says, I want God to have all of me. I want to pledge my allegiance to him. I want to die to who I used to be and live for Jesus. And when you decide to be baptized, it is a transforming moment in your life because you change who's in charge of your life. You take yourself off the throne of your life and you put God there. The second thing that will transform you spiritually is deciding to be generous. Deciding to be generous, giving to God as scripture teaches. Being generous breaks the control of materialism in my life. On pages 16 and 17 of your book, you will find what we call the unstoppable journey. We will talk more about it, but it points out different places people can be on this path towards generosity. And we really believe many of us need to let God give us a new way of thinking here. Because we really believe that generosity is transformational. Generosity is transfer transformational. Nothing will change you like dealing with this area of your life. And that is another reason that God is calling us to do this. Because we need it. When you bring up money in church... People get nervous and upset. Some are visiting for the first time at one of our campuses and they're thinking, great. I get here and they're talking about money. I want you to know I think it's a great day for you to be our guest. You get to see a snapshot of the vision and the heart of this place. But we'll admit money is a polarizing issue. And Jesus knew it was polarizing. He asks us to do many things, and when he asks us to do some things, we're okay with it. I mean, we like it when he says, do not judge, lest you be judged. We like it when Jesus asks us that. We like it when he wants us to help others who are less fortunate and care for those that are hurting. But when Jesus calls us to give, when he starts talking about money, we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And Jesus knew that we would react that way. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 6. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. Can I tell you that I really believe God is calling us to this moment and to this uh, thing that we're doing and making this next step so large that everyone in this room needs to be involved? I believe, I believe that for your sake. Even if we didn't need to fund bigger projects for our church, I would still get up here and say that we need to do this because we need God to transform the way we think about money. You see, many people have joined our church in the last several years. As a matter of fact, 
273 people have been baptized in the last five years here. Isn't that great? 273 people. And a lot of people have started attending. We have a lot of new people here. And I'm starting to see that many of those new people are not invested here in the same way or at the same level. Some are not invested in giving or in serving. Some aren't benefiting from some of the things that others are benefiting from. And I'm praying that God will give them and all of us an aha moment that becomes a transformational moment. I'm also praying that you will understand our heart. I want you to understand our heart. Some of you know what our heart is when we start talking about giving. You know that we want something for you, not something from you. We want something for you, not something from you. That's my heart. I want something for you, not from you. And if you study what scripture says about our giving, it's always more about what God wants for us than it is about what he wants from us. I mean, God doesn't really need our money. He could miraculously drop $6 million or $6 billion into our lap, and that would be awesome. It'd be great, but it wouldn't help us grow spiritually. It wouldn't help transform us. And I honestly want something for you during this campaign. I want something for you. What do I want for you? Let me run through it quickly. First, I want for you to have less conflict and guilt about money. I want you to be able to talk to your spouse about money and have some peace. I, I don't want you to be messed up by debt. I don't want you to feel bad when you look at your savings account and think, you know, I should be saving more for college or for retirement. Or when we talk here about giving, I don't want you to feel guilty and think, you know, I know I should be able to do more and should be able to help with this. Or when some, someone in your growth group or your family needs something and you want to help with their house payment or with groceries, I don't want you to feel bad because you have no financial margin in your life. So I want for you to have less conflict and guilt about money. Secondly, I want for you a recalibration of the heart. A recalibration of the heart. I want you to take every area of your life, every area of your life, including your dollars, and surrender them to God. And I really believe that you will find peace in ways that you never have before when you do that. It's not about how much you have surrendered to God. It's about how much of yourself you have surrendered and uh, how much of your heart you've surrendered. And are you allowing him to lead you in all of the areas of your life, your daily decisions and how you treat people and how you surrender to him and how much money you give and how you surrender to him and how much money you keep. So I want for you a recalibration of the heart. Next one, I want for you to really feel part of what God is doing here. To really be part of what God is doing here. Sometimes people who attend here regularly and have attended here for a long time but really aren't invested here in giving or serving, they'll say to me something like, well, how's impact doing? Or 
what is impact doing about this area? And I find it kind of weird. And I want to say, aren't you impact? You attend here every week. Aren't you part of us? And sometimes people will say after a decision day or a be the difference weekend or this is incredible, this is amazing what people did. Your church is really cool. Here's what I want for you. When the winds happen as a result of unstoppable, I want you to think, I want you to say, I was part of something incredible. I helped God make a difference in so many ways. I want that for you. I also want this for your family. I want this for your family. Your kids are getting ready to go out into the most materialistic country in the world where people are really struggling to know what's important, to really know what is a true priority, and you're going to throw your kids out into that. And Jill and I are going to give the biggest gift we have ever given over the next two years. But I want to give in a way that changes my family, even though my kids are grown. I want my kids and grandkids to see the changes in our lifestyle that we make so that we can give more. I want them to witness what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives and how God blesses us and how God blesses our church because we give up some things in order to let God love us and love, love others through us. I want your family to be changed by your example and what you do here during this unstoppable journey. Lastly, I want for you to have a story. I want for you to have a story. There are people sitting around you right now who have stretched themselves financially. Some have a story of stretching so that they can pay off debt. Some have a story of stretching to give so that we could start Impact Beaver Valley. And a few here have a story of stretching and sacrificing to build the buildings on our current moon campus. And there are people here who sacrificed something or sold something for some very important priorities in their life. And they stretched in that very hard area of their life and that area of money and at the time they thought this doesn't make any sense I don't think I can do this and we will never be able to do this unless God shows up and helps us and God showed up God showed up he showed up in their lives and I'm seeing some nods and some smiles and those are the people with stories to tell. They have stories to tell. And when bad things start happening to those people, they can look back and they can say, I don't like this at all, but I know that God is good and that God is faithful and that he cares for me and that he will show up when I need him to. Do you know who Thaddeus is? Of course not. You know why you don't know who he is? He stayed in the boat. He stayed in the boat the night Jesus and Peter walked on water. It's Peter you'd want to talk to at a party, isn't it? You'd want to know about that. You'd want to hear that story. He's the one who walked on water. and That's the story I want to hear. It's also the story I want to tell. 
It's the story I want to tell. I want to tell the story of how I trusted God and risked and how miraculous things happened as a result. I want to be that guy who gets out of the boat and takes risks for God in big ways. And I want that for you too. I want that for you too. I want you to have a story of how you trusted God and he showed up in your life and he was unstoppable for you because you committed to being unstoppable for him. But that only happens if we get our focus off what we normally think when the church talks about money and focus on him and let him give us an aha moment that becomes a transformational moment. I know you don't know what all this means yet, but will you commit yourself before God right now to take this journey with us, to give God a chance to transform you, to give you a story to tell about what he does in your life? And if you're willing to do that, begin right now. Change your focus and let God change your heart. Let me end by reading a scripture and then I want to pray for you. The scripture comes from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. God, I know that you can do anything and that your plans are unstoppable. I pray that each person here will allow you to transform them in this area so that you can do for them what you want to do in their lives so that you can give them an aha moment as they step out and get out of their comfort zone and take risks for you. And so, Father, we await what you're going to do in each of our lives as we focus on you. Thank you, Father, for being unstoppable. Thank you that you can do everything and that your plans are unstoppable. In Jesus' name, amen.